I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, as today we speak about my favorite subject, worry and anxiety. Uh, I'm in the shape I'm in because of worry and anxiety. <laughs> I'm a testimony of how not to do it. <laughs> and But I have learned uh, so much, and uh, I have learned to deal with it uh, much better than I have in the past. And I praise God for the opportunities to grow and to learn. While you're turning to Matthew chapter 6, there are two announcements I want to reiterate. One is uh, the training tonight and Wednesday night. Um, I hope that you will come to Wednesday night's training for Gospel to Every Home. Um, Kenny Rager is the trainer. He's the Kenny spoke here one Sunday while we were going on vacation, and I received so many good reports from his sermon. And he is a highly motivated, motivational kind of speaker. So uh, uh, if, you, if you have to come tonight, that's fine. I'll be here, ready to teach at 6 o'clock. But let me encourage you, if, if at all possible, come Wednesday night. I defer to him as being so much better at what he's going to do. And uh, so, um, but those two opportunities are there for you to receive the training that you need for gospel to every home. And uh, after worship today, you're welcome to come by. Those of you who have created a team of two or three people and you're ready to pick up your packet and go out with them, uh, then those packets will be ready. David uh, Poe and Vesta Smith will be there to provide for you some more training concerning the maps. Also, next Sunday is a high attendance day for Sunday school. I want to encourage you to be here for Sunday school next Sunday. Um, there's going to be a Sunday school breakfast for the uh, students uh, in the education wing over there. And uh, there's going to be donuts and so forth in each classroom uh, as we look forward to a high attendance on Sunday morning. And then Sunday night is the choir kickoff for the Christmas music. And uh, there's going to be food there, too. So we're going to eat Sunday morning. We're going to eat again Sunday night. All good reasons to be here next Sunday. So uh, let me encourage you to consider that. Um, I invite you to join with me as we read from God's Word. Um, I'm going to read, uh, if you will bear with me, from the uh, Christian Standard Bible, uh, the passage that Jesus speaks about here concerning worry. The Lord said, This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They do not labor or, and, or spin a thread. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly 
seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Somebody said worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but you won't get anywhere. It'll give you something to do, but it just doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't accomplish a thing. There are some problems that come from our anxiety. Uh, Jesus said, for this reason, I say to you, don't be anxious. Here's some reasons why we don't need to be anxious. One is a kind of unmanageable stress that anxiety brings upon us. Anxiety will bring an unmanageable stress. There are two kinds of stress. There's eustress. That's the good kind of stress. And distress is the kind of stress that creates a, um, a chemical reaction in your body that actually bears upon your heart rate. Uh, it bears upon your body temperature. Uh, it creates a load that uh, you have to carry around all the time. It's like carrying a big rock around. And uh, the Lord Jesus wants us to release the big rock and to begin to trust Him for His faithfulness and what we need in this life. God doesn't want you to deal with stress that is unmanageable. We live in a stressful world and it's becoming more stressful all the time. And as long as we live in this life, we're going to have to deal with stress. We're going to have to deal with it. And we'll deal with it healthily, or we'll deal with it unhealthily. And if we deal with it unhealthily, it will cost us in terms of physical health and emotional health uh, as well. And so the Lord wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be strong. He wants you to have hope. He wants you to have assurance. A second problem with anxiety is an unhealthy fear. A fear about the future. Uh, we call that dread. When we dread uh, the repetition of negative things in the future that's coming our way, we live in dread. And some people have experienced in their lifetime so many negative events. Uh, they live with the constant anxiety of dread. And the Lord wants you to know that you don't have to live that way all your life. In fact, he would like for you to take a break from whatever is causing you stress and being unmanageable in your life. He wants you to take a break, and he wants you to get away from it. We talked this morning about um, the stress and anxiety that comes when frontline workers are dealing with battle or trauma or like a firefighter that's fighting a house fire uh, or... Um, uh, nurses and doctors, surgeons that are dealing with uh, stressful situations all the time, they can't live that way all the time. They have to get away from it because there's something called secondary trauma. Secondary trauma is when the trauma is when the uh, healthcare worker or the first responder is victimized and becomes a casualty themselves, so much so that they can't do their job. And God wants you and me to be able to function well as a Christian. And he wants us to be a positive witness in the world, not a casualty on the battlefield. 
And if we will learn to deal with anxiety in a healthy way that we're going to talk about here in a moment, uh, you'll find that God will bless that. And you'll become an example to other people who are looking for ways to cope with stress in their life as well. We live at a time, we live, hear this carefully now, uh, and I hope I can say it in a pastoral tone. Uh, we live in a time where we are trying to numb ourselves from anxiety. And we numb ourselves with drugs, we numb ourselves with alcohol, we numb ourselves with addictions, all kinds of addictions. And these addictions, uh, this numbing process that comes from this, doesn't last very long. It comes back again and again. And it has to be dealt with in a healthy way and not a numbing way. So there is something called an unhealthy fear. There's also a problem of anxiety called undermining hopelessness. And when people live in hopelessness all the time, uh, then there is a, a reaction of a negative consequence that we just don't want to get up anymore. We, we just don't want to try anything anymore. Uh, we, we feel like all is lost and all is in vain. So there is this undermining hopelessness. So anxiety brings upon us a kind of casualty, a, a kind of uh, uh, um, uh, quelching of our spirit. And uh, it follows in depression and it follows in uh, a hopelessness. And the Lord wants to relieve you of that. And I would say today, I would say today, that it is God's will that no one leave today in an anxious spirit. That would be God's desire. That all of us leave this building today and leave this worship service with a spirit of hopefulness. That we have a future and a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that because God has been faithful to us to send to us our Savior Jesus Christ, that God has been faithful to us to raise Him from the dead, that God has been faithful to us to send His Holy Spirit, that we might have assurance of our salvation, that we might walk in the spirit of hopefulness and assurance of God's presence and God's power. That's how God wants us to live. That's how God wants to live. Uh, but not in a state of constant anxiety. Sometimes this hopelessness manifests itself in suspicion. We view the future as an untrustworthy future. Sometimes this hopelessness, hopelessness manifests itself in apathy. We assume that the future is meaningless. And because there's no meaning in the future, uh, then we are apathetic. People ask me sometimes, would you rather deal with somebody that's apathetic or somebody that's angry? Which would you rather deal with? Would you rather deal with somebody that's apathetic or somebody that's angry? I'd rather deal with somebody that's angry than somebody that's apathetic. Apathetic. An apathetic person is hard to arouse. An apathetic person is because they've lost this, this hopefulness. They've lost this passion. They've lost their desire uh, that anything is worthwhile in the world. But a person of anger is a person of passion. A person that has something at stake. Uh, a person that feels energized uh, because what they love and, and want to protect in the world is being threatened in some way. And so this passion uh, that manifests, manifests itself in, a, in, uh, in anger is uh, something that brings an aliveness to us. 
So don't be afraid of anger. Uh, anger just needs to be directed healthily. Uh, apathy is hard to deal with, but anger can be directed in a healthy, in a healthy kind of way. Dr. Paul Tillich talks about hope and hopefulness, and he writes these words. Nobody can live without hope. Even if it were only for the smallest things, which give some satisfaction even under the worst conditions, even in poverty or sickness or social failure. Without hope, he says, the tension of our life towards the future would vanish, and with it, life itself. We would end in despair, and the word that, that originally meant without hope are in, uh, uh, in deadly indifference. God wants you to have hope. In fact, there's something out there called being a hoper. Uh, when I first came to Ekron, I began to preach about being a hoper. And uh, I've not lost that. And I want you to join me in, in pledging that you're going to be a hoper. That you're a person with hope, a person that's grounded in the resurrection of Christ. And every challenge you face, you realize that God has an answer. Every challenge you face, God has an answer. God has a way through it. He will get you through whatever you're going through. That's called being a hoper. Let's talk about this biblical perspective about anxiety. Let's look at a few of these passages of Scripture that Jesus speaks about here in Matthew chapter 6. To deal with anxiety, number one, we need to look up to God first. Look up, look up, look up to God first. Jesus said, to deal with anxiety, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Hopeful people trust that God will transform the present. That God will take the situation that I'm in and make it better. That God will intervene with power. That God will intervene with new direction and a new hope in our life. Jesus met the two on the road to Emmaus and he was questioning them about their hopelessness. They were talking about the things that had happened at the crucifixion of Jesus and how the people were disappointed. And when Jesus approached them, he said, Would you explain to me what you're talking about? And they said, Are you the only guy in Israel that hasn't heard about the death of Jesus Christ, the one that we had hoped in, the one that we thought was going to be our Christ, who was going to be our Messiah, and yet he was crucified and he died? And Jesus said, Tell me about these things. And they expressed their hopelessness to Jesus. And then the Bible says Jesus opened their eyes and began to speak to them about the Scriptures and how it was prophesied that He would be crucified, but that He would be raised from the dead. And the more Jesus talked about Himself, the more they received and accepted His hope and His trust and His Word, and they invited Him to come to, to uh, supper with them. Come on to the house. Come in, have dine with us. And when Jesus was breaking bread with them, the Bible says their eyes were opened. And they began to understand what Jesus was saying to them about the kingdom of God and the resurrection of Christ and that we live on the Easter side of life. Hopers live on the Easter side of life. So how do you see your future? How do you see your future? In Jesus Christ, you have eternity. 
Without Jesus Christ, you have no hope of eternity. I pray that you have centered your faith and your trust in Jesus to know that with Him you have life everlasting. Hopeful people can see the truth about our current circumstances and not give up. We don't give up. We may get discouraged as Elijah did this morning in our Sunday school lesson. We may get discouraged. Uh, somebody said, you're not paranoid. People really are out to get you. Well, Jezebel really was out to get Elijah, wasn't she? She really was. And yet he was so discouraged thinking that he was the only one that had been faithful to God. And the Lord said to him, Elijah, I've got 7,000 people who have not bowed to Baal nor kissed his ring. I've got 7,000 faithful people. And today I am praying for the Afghans who are faithful Christians who are not able to worship in public but are remaining faithful to the Lord. We have reports now that they're going from house to house trying to find an app on somebody's telephone that may be a biblical scripture or an app of some kind that would indicate that they are Christians and they are being threatened. Pray for Afghan Christians. Folks, we have Arabic Christians all over the Middle East. Our missionaries have had an impact with the gospel there in ways that they can't even translate or can't even begin to tell us about. But we know they're there because they're coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Pray for them that they will not lose hope. Pray for them that they will remain uh, consecrated to Christ and are willing to bear uh, the results of being a faithful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hopeful people also believe in the providence of God. I've come to believe in my life more now than ever in the providence of God. Uh, two years ago, you would have never convinced me that I would be up here preaching to a church, the same congregation, after two years. You would have never convinced me of that because I had been so ill and because I had come through such a rough time. And yet here I stand before you um, um, a little grayer than I was two years ago, but still preaching the Word of God. I believe in the providence of God, and I thank God for the opportunity to serve in this capacity here at Ekron Baptist Church. So Jesus said, pray thy kingdom come, pray thy will be done, because it is in the will of God that God provides for us what we need. God's providence works out through His will. And we want His will to be accomplished more than anything else. So the first way to deal with anxiety is to look up. Look up, Christian. Look up. When you're anxious, you're looking down. When you're anxious, you've got your mind set on the negative around you. When you're anxious, you've lost your hopefulness. The Bible says, look up. Seek ye first the kingdom of who? God. God who reigns in heaven. God who knows what you're going through and will get you through what you're going through. Secondly, not only look up, but look out. Look outward. Look outward. Uh, when we become anxious, it's hard to focus. It's hard to concentrate. Uh, it's, it's hard to um, uh, write a sentence, read a book. It's, it's hard to write a paper for school. Uh, life is just very difficult. But if we will look out, the scripture says, consider the lilies. Consider the birds of the air. Consider the grass of the field. One of the most beautiful things about this part of the state of Kentucky 
is that when I drive through this country here, uh, in fact, I've told Linda several times, she's never been to Germany, but I said, this is what Germany looks like. When you leave Frankfurt and you're going south, but before you get to the Alps, this is what Germany looks like. It's rolling hills, and there's a lot of German people in our state. But if you'll look around and you'll see the lilies of the field, you'll see the grass of the field, you see the birds of the air, look out at God's creation and ask yourself, how are they fed? How are they taken care of? The God who created them is providing for them. And the scripture says, Jesus says very plainly, are you not worth much more than they? One of the sources of our anxiety is our sense of worthlessness. We don't give ourselves credit enough that we are worthy of God's care. And yet the scripture says to you and me, God loves you. And he has a plan for your life. And his plan for your life is that you would dwell with him in his holy heaven and commune with him in his love for all of eternity. God loves you. And God will provide for you. And you are worth the sacrifice of his son, our Savior and our Lord, on that cross. That's how worthful you are to God. Look around. Consider the heavens, the Bible says in Psalm chapter 8. Consider the work of the Lord's fingers. What is man that you take thought of him? God not only takes thought of us, but he provides for us as well. Your heavenly Father, Jesus said, knows what you need. He knows what you need. He's not um, um, hard of hearing. He's not hard of seeing. He's not so distant in the heavenlies away from our circumstances that he doesn't understand what we're going through. God knows what we need. And as he provides for his creation, so will he provide for us. And then thirdly, consider the precious present. Consider the precious present. Some call this mindfulness. There's a whole psychology out there called mindfulness. And somehow peace and a calm comes to us in this way that we are mindful of what's going on around us. But I'm here to tell you that life can get so fast moving. Life can become so demanding. Life can become so overbearing that we lose sight of our breath. There's a great song uh, on Wave, uh, Wave Radio, what's it called, Wave? 105.9, we listen to that a lot. And right in the middle of the song, the guy's talking about how fast life's going and how fast life's moving. And then he says, just breathe. Just breathe. Come to the precious present and realize that you have life and breath in you because God is giving it to you. And the God who created you is the God that sustains you and the God that has given you a future. And he will not abandon you. Consider the precious present. When we think about the precious present, we become thankful. We say, God, we thank you. We thank you for your mercy. 
we thank you for your grace. We also become mindful of our sin. One of the root causes, and hear this clearly, one of the root causes of anxiety in our life is sin. Sin that we're trying to hide from others. Sin that we're trying to hide from God. Sin that we're unwilling to give up. And the Bible teaches us that if we will confess that sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us, cleanse us, cleanse us to make room for righteousness in all of our life. And so instead of having the sin control our life, we have the precious presence of the Holy Spirit and the calm of Christ controlling our life. The Bible says in Philippians, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask you to say the Lord's Prayer with me again. And after we say the Lord's Prayer, we're going to have our invitation hymn. And some of you have already given your life to Jesus, uh, whether at camp or other places. I want you to come on forward today and acknowledge your decision and desire to be baptized. Others of you, this will be your first time to choose uh, today to give your life to Christ. I pray that you'll come. Bow your heads with me as we repeat the Lord's Prayer. And as we repeat the Lord's Prayer, say it slowly, say it carefully with me, and breathe in the presence and the power of Christ through this prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church you too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.